it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Team Never Quit podcast is sponsored by Navy Federal Credit Union. Navy Federal Credit Union has the tools and services to help you put your money to work. And you can get started with as little as $5. Small steps now can mean big earnings later. Learn more at NavyFederal.org slash save. Federally insured by NCUA. Never quit. Never quit. Never quit radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit Podcast. It's a Wednesday at 5 o'clock in the morning, which is why you're, you got the podcast pulled up. You're listening to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and maybe you're even watching on YouTube because we're doing all of this on YouTube now for you guys. We've got a Patreon question, and it's a little less deep than last week's. What is your favorite prank or gag that you've ever pulled on someone? Dude, I took one of those industrial size shredder bags and I, I cut it open and put tape across the hole and hung it in my buddy's, he's actually my platoon chief's locker for his birthday and put a piece of 550 cord from the piece of tape to his door. And when he yanked that industrial, when he yanked his door open, a thousand pounds of micro shredded paper <laughs> rained down on him and inside his locker. I can't even begin it. That, I guarantee you that was about seven years ago. I guarantee you there's still pieces of paper in that locker. <laughs> That's awesome. Beat, beat that one. You guys want me to go? Yeah, take yeah, you it. Go. Yeah. You know, it's the, it is the running prank in the fighter pilot world that I can't claim as my own, but it is the most hysterical moment you'll ever see a young wingman have. So, when we're going up near the speed of sound and we're in the weather, the, the F-16 creates this thing called St. Elmo's Fire. And there's so much static electricity that comes off the pitot boom and goes up over the bubble canopy. It literally looks like the, the jet is on fire and it's intentionally never briefed. And inevitably you'll get the, you know, the young wingman and we're in an electrical storm for the first time. And they literally think their life is going to end. And, it's not my prank, but it is one of the most entertaining things. And you guys get that, the, the fellowship of watching uh, young people freak out for the first time when, uh, when they get operational. So that would be mine. Well, yeah, um, this has to be PG rated, right? Whatever you want. It's just us here and hanging out. <laughs> yeah. So um, we have a lot of them. I mean, just tons of platoon ones. But I think the funniest one that, that really 
for us was uh, when I got back to be a budget instructor. So now this was new. It uh, <laughs> so as you go into the first phase office, the you know where the um, uh, they have a, a post up there, and in there they they tie this long string because as soon as you open the door, it's like you know it flips it. But on the other end, I'm telling you, is this huge dildo. All right, and as soon as you walk in, it'll, it'll loosen up and it'll come to like smack you in the face as you walk into the uh, platoon door, right? I mean, the, the first face door. I'm like, you're looking at me like it's crazy, but that I didn't make that up. No, I'm, I'm listening, <laughs> I, I completely understand what you're saying. I, it's not shocking to me. I, I'm one of them. I'm like, yeah, I got and it. So that was the thing. And so if you're un, you're unsuspecting and you know that it's going to come for a while, but I think the the most funniest thing about it was was the um, <laughs> the first face mash chief comes in. You know, and uh, and it was set because it's usually set when the guys go out and do uh, do the uh, the evolutions, and they'll come back and usually like the the, the first instructors will come in after they start uh, going hitting the surf, and then that thing just goes and just smacks, just literally smashing the face of the first face. Mashiv goes in, it was set, and he opens it up, and I was in there, I was just like putting in times and and getting grabbing some, and it came down this big dildo just smacks him in the face, and he loses like he loses balance. And he goes down, <laughs> and so um, it's it's pretty funny when you see it. But uh, Bial ain't laughing though, so I guess it's not that funny. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it got taken down after after that. But it was it was funny to watch the guys get hit by it though. So we're child, we're children. I have no doubt. I was gonna go. Is it, was the question about military prank or just, just prank? Just up? in general, yeah, favorite right. prank. Anytime I get asked that question, I always go right back to I don't know if my brother and I were in high school our senior year, or it might have been we might have been freshmen in the college. Whatever, it doesn't matter. We had separate rooms upstairs. And I you go up these five stairs, if you walk straight, you went to my room, you turned to a left, you went to his, and our bathroom was in the middle. Well, he I come home, he's in the shower, and I haul ass in his bedroom, man, and he had his back in the day, remember water bed? He had this full motion water bed, had no breakers in it or anything oh, like that. Nice. I mean it was Big time. Yeah, so lights yeah, were all was, off. So I, I jump in there, dude. And I, I, I was a little bitty back then. I jump in there under the pillows with my hands above my head and my feet stretched out. At the, he had this huge headboard, right? And I'm laying there, and I tuck, I tuck the pillows back in, hiding down in there, dude. And he, you can hear him in the shower. He's doing his routine, and everything. He gets back in there. Dude crawls into bed, still doesn't know I'm there, has no idea. And I mean, Russell's over. And every time you move one of the full motion water beds, it was like we were riding. I can't believe he didn't. And I was trying not to laugh my my ass off, dude. But I could hear him kind of just settle in. And I freaking, I used to be able to scream like you, like a banshee. I mean, like a, like a woman. Like, like loud. I mean, loud, dude. Uh, it's not there anymore. <laughs> I was screaming so loud coming down that mountain. It was, <laughs> My voice kicked deep, but uh, bro, you t when you were talking about in the jet and that and that freaking Saint Elmo's fire and and clinging to to life, when I came up because I crunched and I crunched with him inside of, <laughs> and I mean, imagine a cat stuck to the ceiling, dude. That's how fast he came out of that sucker, dude. I mean, he was I mean, Jesus Christ, I thought Freddy Krueger had a hold of me. <laughs> I mean, it scared the piss out of me. I've never been scared that entire life. When he grabbed a hold of it, and when he screamed, I mean, I mean, it scared the bones out of my body. <laughs> and I was trying to get out of that damn. They were in the water bed. Oh, the water bed. I, oh, he wouldn't turn me loose. I had no idea what happened. Because I had all the all the covers and the pillows, and he was in the middle of that. 
<laughs> wrapped up. Nice. Oh, dude. Man, that's great. Brian, thanks for the question. It always brings some good laughs. Patreon, if you guys don't know what it is, you guys can get exclusive access to behind-the-scenes footage from the show, uh, cool swag, extra episodes, live videos, you name it, you get it. Patreon.com slash Team Never Quit. That's where you can go. Hey, guys, we've got a great guest in store, Lieutenant Colonel Dan Rooney, Air Force fighter pilot. And a force for good. From humble beginnings above his garage, he founded Folds of Honor to provide educational scholarships for the families of fallen military members. In 13 short years, Folds of Honor has awarded over 28,000 scholarships worth approximately $135 million. Welcome to the show, Dan. Man, I am blessed to be with three American heroes. So uh, awesome. Thanks for having me. Uh, I assure you the pleasure is all, all ours, sir. I've got like a laundry list of questions that I want to rattle off to you, but we normally like to get into the guts of it before before we get into the guts of it. If you could just share with us just kind of where where you started and then and we'll, we'll maneuver into where we are now because I uh, understood at, at a high level why you started Folds of Honor, but when I read the detailed story about the, the airplane – Obviously, because I'm a twin, I don't think Marcus knows the depth of this story, but he will here in a second. I mean, as a twin, God bless you. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't make that connection before I chimed on um, with you guys, but uh, yeah, kind of moments of synchronicity or chance with a purpose. And I'm, a, you know, I'm 47 years into this walk, and I, I know for sure everything is connected. Right. There's no coincidence. There's no serendipity. Right. It's like you are where you are for a reason. And um, this is really the beginning and kind of that journey of living a pretty myopic life. It was two feet in front of me at all times. Uh, but I'd gotten back in um, in 06 from uh, from Iraq and uh, ended up on a commercial airliner. This is a few months later. And I'm going from Chicago here to my day job as a uh, as a PGA golf professional up in uh, in Grand Haven, Michigan. And uh, we fly to Grand Rapids um, late that night. We've been delayed out of O'Hare as well as nights I'd gone from Budweiser to coffee. I've been there so long and uh, finally land in Grand Rapids, pull up to the gate. The captain comes over the PA and announces that we're carrying an American hero on board, that we have the remains of Corporal Brock Buckland, who'd been killed in Iraq, and his identical twin brother, Corporal Brad Buckland, is in first class and had brought him all the way home. So the, the captain makes another request, kind of the standard head, like everybody to stay in their seats until Brock's remains are removed from the right cargo hold. And... Um, I watched, you know, the Buckland family on the darkest night of their lives and his, uh, his brothers were there, his parents, his wife and his four-year-old son is that American flag draped coffin that we're all too familiar with on this, sh on this show inch down from the cargo ramp. But it was different and certainly, you know, seen a lot of bad things in, in combat. Um, we all get that, but I'd never seen this side of war. And that intimate side with the family there, and uh, especially his son. I've, I've, I'm the father of five girls. God has a sense of humor. And um, <laughs> nice job, yeah. For right. My transgressions um, in in life, but um, I watch this little boy, and I'm like, man, he did not. He's four years old. He'd understand. He's never going to play catch again with his dad, or get an ice cream cone, or do all the stuff that really matters in this world full of stuff that a lot of it doesn't. And so the ceremony finishes itself up 
and I stand up only to see that more than half the people have gotten off the plane, right? And they're nowhere to go. It's at midnight. They're going home to climb out of that blanket of freedom that Corporal Brock Buckland just gave his life for. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And it's really hard for me to say, but I, I'd never been so disappointed to be an American. And like, you know, why, why are we doing what we're doing? People can't even stay in their seats and this kid gave his life for them. And, um, but I'll tell you, um, in that moment, I felt the hand of God on my shoulder. And I would say he picks the least among us. And man, do I qualify there? But he picks the willing. And uh, that was the inspiration, which would become Folds of Honor. And it was a couple months later that, um, you know, we started above our garage. Um, and I wrote down our mission, which hasn't wavered since then. It was honor the sacrifice by educating the legacy and providing scholarships to spouses and kids who've had somebody killed or disabled. But when it started, it was just like, hey, I want to help this little boy, uh, Jacob, who was our first recipient, who's now 18 years old. And uh, that was, uh, you know, 13 years ago, the organization started and the moment of synchronicity that, that kicked it all off. I, I, I've been on the planes with bringing heroes home before. Um, and I've actually been on, I've seen, I've seen it from the window and the family's down. I've been on the tarmac and I got to tell you, I, I honestly being in, when I was on the plane, everybody kept their seats. I literally think I would have beat the fuck out of everybody. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I, and I was so glued out the window. Right. And it's mid night so people are we've been delayed they're tired whatever there's no excuse right but i'm glued out the window and so when i turn back and i'm like oh my god where did half the people go it's probably more than half the people um had gotten off because you know they didn't have time man everybody's in it i don't know what it is in this world we're in everybody's in a rush to the next thing all the time it's just uh, mind-boggling to me how we're, we're just so rarely present not not making an excuse for those people it's just the reality of the world we live in and that was the one thing I had learned during this lockdown was how to relax, how to slow back down. The pace we get at, it gets to going so fast, you, you, and you can normalize into anything. You kind of forget that packing 9, 10, 11, 12 things in a day, that's a lot. <laughs> I mean, that's a hell of a lot of stuff. And then you get down on yourself when you don't do that many things in one day, and sometimes there's not that many things to do. That's why you're supposed to seize the day, enjoy the moment that you're in. I would literally start thinking about what we were doing next midway, whatever we were doing. And it's not that I, I, I kind of, it's not that I didn't finish what I was doing. I just didn't, I wouldn't join it. And, and the best part's the end. Usually that's where it's supposed to be. The beginning of the story is good, but the ending's always great. And anything we always, whatever we're doing together, it's the most important and, and poignant part of it because it's the culmination of everything that I, I would overlook that just because I, the way we're designed is you're, it's not that you're ignoring it, but you're, getting ready for the next thing and prepping and making sure everyone else is squared away. 
And that's how we get going so dang fast. You're right. You're right. They should have kept that door locked. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's interesting, too. Well, was, I was doing a show the other day, and someone would ask, hey, what do you think, why has Fold's been successful? And it, maybe not a direct correlation, but I was like, yeah, for 13 years, I've been the last guy out of every room. And I was like, you know, pretty good motto for life. If you want to be successful and whether you're, you know, the last guy in the basketball court or you're the last guy in the gym or you're the last guy out of the room at the fundraiser, uh, good things happen when you're the last one to leave and not being always on to the next thing. That's why I heard it explained one time is that no matter what kind of day you're having when you're sitting on that plane, because it's the best place to find that. Like everyone's usually having kind of a rough day, no matter what. You just look back and go, hey, man, whatever it was that was causing that rough day for you, that's the dude that's, or the lady that stood up for you when you left. And now they're, all, now they're in that coffin. That, that's how you kind of got to look at that. Big picture, that's what's happening. So on our show, we, we talk about, you know, one's like greatest challenge or, or, or biggest, biggest, you know, the, the, the biggest obstacle or adversity. Obviously, having five girls that are probably going to go up to be supermodels, I have no doubt that that's going to happen to you. So I don't know what you did as a kid, but obviously, I'm you know, yeah. this is McBee already said this is a, a G rated show. So we're not going to go there. Hey, you need to meet my, my wife's father, which he has five daughters. I married the eldest. So maybe there's something to it. Write a book together. <laughs> Can you give us a little background on? So it, it is no joke to be a 16 pilot, You'd multiple deployments and a golf pro at the same time. Still trying to figure out how that dynamic works but give us a little history and a little background share with us something that, that uh, it's a valuable life lesson that just catapulted you in this direction we've got an idea where folds of honor went but then we'll we'll talk we'll circle back around to that but let's get that um let's give our listeners a little background on who and what who and what uh i you're so lucky that you're in the air force nobody ever called you lieutenant dan Oh, yeah. Well, I was. I was Lieutenant Dan for four years. <laughs> uh, and, you know, people, I, I, I went from major to Lieutenant Colonel last year, and now everybody calls me Lieutenant again because nobody knows what, a you know, a rank is in the regular world. So I'm back to Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> have you met, have you, so he's such a big guy in, 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 the, uh, in the veteran space. Have you met him yeah. yet? Oh, Gary, yeah. We just played him in a movie. I, I, I'm a, I am the Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> That's so, awesome. uh, now the, you talked about, you know, the, the never quit moment. And I've, I, now I've thought about this a lot yesterday. And um, mine's probably a different answer than most people give before I dive into my background. Um, the things that I never quit. And I remember going and showing up and I don't know if you guys felt this way going to SEAL training. It's obviously very different than fighter pilot training. Um, but we go through, ours is like two and a half years long. They spend about $8 million per pilot training us. And only 4.8% of the people will successfully complete the training. And I, I, I took my wife to Wichita Falls, Texas, and we were at Shepard Air Force Base. And I came home after the first day of, you know, academics in our blues and very different than what you guys go through. And I'm like, hey, babe, don't unpack the bags because there is no way. This colonel just told us 4.8% of the people are going to make it through the program. You know, I'm an average student that played college golf at the University of Kansas. And uh, I was, you know, just defeated day one. And I remember I was like, well, what am I going to do? And it was the really the first moment in my life that I realized that I'm I'm not capable of doing this myself. 
And the only thing I knew to do, I was like, well, I'm going to get up a half hour early. I must, you know, get into my morning prayer, which I'd never really done before. And so my whole life, I've gotten up 30 minutes early and I have 30 minutes of prayer time, right? And it's just, I go through the same stuff, you know, every day. Some's a little bit different based on what's going on. And, uh, but when I looked at my, like, my never quit moment, um, that's it for me. I've, I've never quit praying. Uh, number one, the other thing I've, I've never quit doing is showing up in the gym. And then the third thing I've never quit is on my marriage. And um, I look at those as kind of the three-legged stool where if those are in order in your life, you're probably going to be able to get through the inevitable challenges and the bad stuff that's going to happen to everybody because it's humanity. And we're going to spend a lot more time struggling and ultimately being defined by, you know, what we do on a daily basis when it doesn't go our way. So that was my never quit moment. I don't know if you ever had an answer like that or that makes any sense at all. No, that was absolutely the first time anybody's ever said that, but it's kind of like, I don't know why anybody has not put it that into perspective. Cause like every time we ask Marcus, a question comes like, Hey, inevitably, if you go back in time and visit somebody, Marcus is the Jesus guy, you know, he's always brings up the Lord, which is great. Cause nobody else ever does that. You were absolutely the first one to hit that one on the head. Job well done. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, that, that's how you get, that's how you don't quit Re, the resilient spirit. And we'll dive into the book here in a, in a second. But uh, so my, whatever my background I was 12 years old, a moment of synchronicity again. I met my first fighter pilot on the golf course. His name's Steve Courtright, Reno. He went on to be a two-star general, but this guy literally walked right out of the movie, The Right Stuff, um, chiseled, blue eyes, and I'm like, first man crush. You can be this cool and grown up. And he was like, yep, you want to drink in my Coors Light? And I'm like, oh, God, yes, I do. And I never stopped you know, drinking it from that point. I was like, this is what I want to do. And I told my dad, <laughs> what are I was those like, guys? Dad. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Like what are them dudes? Right. When you, the moment frozen and no matter what was going down at that moment, that's, that, that's set. <laughs> that's awesome. It's magical. Yeah. And, um, so the next day I'm, I'm playing golf with my dad and I'm like, Hey dad, I know what I want to do. I want to be a golf pro and a fighter pilot. And I'll never forget his question to me when I announced this as a 12 year old kid, he was like, well, do you know which way an airplane takes off? And I'm like, I, I think it's into the wind. He said, that's exactly right. Enough said, right? Big headwinds between those two unlikely dreams and um, for a 12 year old kid to put them together. But you know, I had no idea how ultimately God would put those together for a much higher purpose in my life. But I'm still, you know, that 12 year old kid at heart and still get to fly fighters and, and play golf a lot. But that's, you know, my selfish time and uh, on this walk and uh, I, I, do some other stuff. I'm sorry. I, 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 how did you put those two together? I mean, like in the I get that you wanted to be a, a golfer and those are just two, two coolest things you could think of. <laughs> yeah, well, those are the two things I love to do. And right. doesn't everybody tell you, just, man, grow up and do what you love. And I'm like, well, this is awesome. And uh, don't be a prisoner of common assumption. I've, you know, it's you guys have gone through the same thing. We've had 10,000 people along the way tell you, oh, you, you number one, probably neither one of those will happen, but you got to pick one. I'm like, who says? Um, and uh, so obviously the golf was first. I played college golf at Kansas, met my wife there, and then uh, turned professional. And then I uh, raised my right hand and joined the Air Force to uh, to go off to pilot training uh, when I was 26, and uh, got 20 years in, and still still flying in the reserves down in, at Eglin Air Force Base in Florida. 
Hey, we were talking last night on the way to dinner. Is there a program where you could go in to enlist, but you say, hey, look, I, I'd like to go to college first. Can you, can you pay for my university, and then, then I'll enlist in the Navy or Army? Do they, is it, does it do that? We don't do it that way, do we? No, I know. I, th- I mean, there's the concurrent programs, but, yeah, there's nothing that will send you to school and then, then pay it off. Serve after that. I guess you could say the service academies are a little that way. But, yeah, that yeah. Are but no, that's an officer thing. I'm talking about for the enlisted guy. Oh, I don't think so. No. Yeah, I know they can. Yeah, <laughs> I got that part. <laughs> I get. I get that. That's yeah. a separation. But what if you're like, okay, even if I do get educated, I'll still come in enlisted and pull the pull the sled. No, the uh, the enlisted man is cunning and evil and will deceive you. No See, my bro- <laughs> for those of you who don't know, my brother turned over to the dark side. And he's an officer. Yeah, man. We had, what did we have? The, we had the seaman, seaman admiral program. I know we had that, but you had to. It was already in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're already in. You're already locked. Yeah, you're already in. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there is, to be honest with you. <laughs> that I'm thinking about. Yeah, we did last night. It's like, I I mean, like if, don't I really out know. A, if I pull out a, if, for a year, I'll, you know, you got a year in, that kind of deal. Hmm. So I read a piece somewhere that, so Folds of Honor, is there one, exactly how long? Because I'm always, I've been failing since I got out of the service and my business is, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And I've been in the nonprofit space too, working for 501c3s, and I see the struggle. Is there, I mean, did it just, what catapulted Folds of Honor from your garage to this? I don't think there's anyone that doesn't know what Folds of Honor serves and what they're all about. So I've got a fun, um, two anecdotes for that. Um, one, I turned to the game of golf initially, and that was uh, right away. Um, you know, a big thing for us. I came up with this concept called Patriot Golf Day. And as a PGA club professional, you know, I'm part of a group of 28,000, you know, men and women that run the golf courses around the country. So we're not playing for money on TV anymore. And um, so I reached out to the president of the PGA of America and I'm like, hey, I got this idea called Patriot Golf Day. And I was like, what if we over, uh, it was Labor Day weekend, it's now Memorial Day weekend. Over that weekend, we had golf courses register and we let golfers play the most heroic round of the year and make a donation to folds. And um, I always said, it's crazy. I was like, if you swing for the fences, there the, the least amount of people are out there. And so I reached out to Jim Nance um, oh who emailed me back. I still have that email on my desk and uh, the president of the PGA of America, Brian Whitcomb. And they were like, man, that sounds like a great idea. And obviously there was a lot between yes and getting that airborne, but we had a really solid fundraiser right away. We raised a million bucks inside our first year. Uh, but man, I didn't know a soul, right? I would no connection to any of these people. And then, so golf started and I was feeling good about myself. And uh, I'm like, dude, I love the Budweiser um, commercials. And B's been up to, uh, to St. Louis with me and uh but I cold called Anheuser-Busch. I flew on Southwest Airlines, which is a great supporter of Folds now. They help cover all of our travel. Great airline. And, uh, <laughs> Things but awesome. I cold called them. And I ring the front doorbell. And they're like, who are you? What do you want? And I explain the foundation to this guy that comes out. His name's Rocky Sickman. And Rocky now works for Folds. But he was head of military sales there. But he was also a Marine and been a hostage in Iran for 444 days. So we're like kindred spirits. I'm like winning cues. This is the best meeting ever. I'm going to get this thing done. And at the end of it, he looks at me an hour later and he was like, Hey man, I've got to set you straight. It's like, we get hundreds of requests a day from charities across the country. 
and no offense, they're not running above people's garages. You're a great American. Keep doing what you're doing. But he said, this will never, never, never happen. There were three nevers at the end of our conversation. And so, you know, I, I leave their tail between the legs. And uh, I always big believer that our, our, I talked to us before, but we're going to be defined by what we do and it doesn't go our way every day, multiple times. And so I kind of regrouped a couple of days later and I went back every six months to St. Louis for the next three years. And I rang that same doorbell, never had an appointment. And finally got a meeting with Dave Peacock, the CEO, um, who was a University of Kansas grad like, uh, like me. And I'll never forget what he said at the end of the meeting. He said, hey, I, I make it a best practice not to get in the way of God's will. We'll figure out something to do with Folds of Honor. So that was eight years ago, and they've donated about $20 million from Budweiser um, to us. So, I mean, what a great way to serve our country, drink beer and, uh, and change the life of a military family. But when you, when you look at that, you know, in Folds and our success, we've just been so blessed to have so many people come along the walk um, and, and support us in, in awesome ways. But it's, I mean, it's, it's hard right? Every single day, I'm getting way more no's than yeses. And, uh, but when you meet the families that you help, and you see the impact that you're having on them, that's the, you know, that's the, what keeps you leaning into the wind, I guess. Well, Tell that Barrett so well. I mean, I <laughs> <laughs> it speaks a lot to persistence too. You know, it speaks a lot to the fact that those are the best stories when you, when you got to keep going back. Like, man, I went back and back to you so mm. many times. Every time I get knocked down and finally it's just went, that's how it happens. Well, you guys, I mean, you get that. I mean, you talk about a resilient spirit. If uh, the most successful people in the world are the people that are the best at handling life when it's not going their way. True. I'm convinced. And the rest of the world quits. Yeah, or they get somebody else to handle it. Well, like with us in our, in our world, I mean, you, they put us in the situations where the they – then you got to handle it. You quit. You're not in the program. And that, since that wasn't an option, you learn how to deal with it. Yeah. I had one, one of my role models told me one time, he, he told me this actually multiple times because I'd always come walking back with my tail between my legs. And he's like, if you ever walk into a room and somebody tells you no, the first words out of your mouth is say, don't say no. Let's work on how to get the yes. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard that before. And it, it literally transformed my life, especially when it comes to the nonprofit space when everybody's like, hey, I got things for you, man. I got, I'd rather give some money to the dying cat foundation, which yeah. I'm not taking anything away from that. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. With, without mm-hmm. freedom, the dying cat foundation ain't in business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. You know, it's the, um, you know, the person's true characteristics will always shine through in moments of adversity. That's, that's who they really are, you know? So add, add a little stress, add a little advert, add a little, uh, and if they don't believe in Stress you, especially, yeah. If they don't believe in you, then you, if you're the one that keeps, if they're going to hinge it on you, and you're the one that keeps coming back and shows them that, finally they'll be like, "All right, man, if, if he's got it, then," because that's what ultimately they're doing. They're investing in you. Yeah, so you're going to keep coming back and keep taking this. And yeah, you, you and did, remain, man. And remain calm. Remain calm and cool and collected. Who did? Uh, who hung your presidential volunteer service medal on your? Hung it on your suit around your neck. Forty forty three. Very cool story, too. Um, Let's hear it. Let's hear it. I love them. As a fellow Texan, you guys will love this. You guys are Texans. I'm not. He's a Texan. That's what I meant. I'm, I'm in Oklahoma. I'm a little north of you guys, but I'm still, hey, as my neighbor, 
<laughs> My neighbor lives on 5,000 acres over here. His name's Garth Brooks, and he calls it the land of common sense, which is Oklahoma. Texas is getting a little goofy right now. <laughs> well, tell him we said howdy. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, the very short version of the story is I was getting ready to deploy in 08 to Iraq and my phone rings and I've got my wife on a little two day vacation and uh, it's the, it's the president and uh, it's not him. It's his top aide. And he said, Hey, you know, we realize you're getting ready to deploy. They have my cell phone. Right. And uh, he was like, but the president's going to be on the West coast next week. And he will stop through Tulsa on the way back home. If you have time to meet him. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And, uh, so tell him no. Yeah. <laughs> Ask her funnier. Know, but he's yeah. he stops and uh, you know, it's the governor and everybody's out there, and I'm at the back of the line. I'm a major in the Air Force, and that plane lands and the dudes run out the back of it. It's all spit shine, just like the movies. And um this guy comes out the back and he goes down the line. He's like, Hey, he's here to see you, Major Rooney. And it was one of the coolest moments of my entire military career when I got to salute my commander in chief, President Bush 43, you know, a week before I was going to Iraq. And, um, you know, forget the forget the award. I'm not a big award person. Tell me what you've overcome in life. That's that's the coolest part um, of our journey. But he was like, hey, man, when uh, when you get back, I'm, I'm going to be done being president. I want to play golf. And I figured he was like, yeah, whatever. And uh, sure enough, it was eight months later, he called me up and said, hey, do you want to come down to Texas, um, to Dallas to play golf? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, can I bring a couple of friends? And he was like, yeah, I got a rule, though, no assholes. <laughs> Roger that. And I'm like, perfect. And uh, so I took my dad and um, another guy and have been uh, really good friends um, since we played golf a few months ago in, in Dallas. And man, um, very, very cool. That's awesome. Yeah, Mark, we had a great experience with him when we were doing Marcus's thing. And uh, this is how cool he was. He walked up to our mother and was like, Miss Latrell, is there anything I can do for you? And my mother reached up and grabbed him on both sides of the face, just like this, like a grandmother would do to her baby. Looked him square in the face and goes, quit playing roulette with my sons. And you want to – I think Mark's not oh. shit ourselves at the same time. <laughs> we're like, oh, my God. I would just shit myself right now. <laughs> yeah, how vivid that moment was. Like, Here we are begging to go on deployment, put foot to ass for country. And my mother literally just scuttled both our careers. We're going to be guarding the Whataburger. <laughs> Gives you chills. Only your mother can say that oh. to the president of the United States. No, no, no. Yeah, well, exactly. How did he respond? He didn't say a damn word. I didn't know, man. <laughs> yeah, he said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I remember when they walked, she walked, they turned around and walked away, actually, for a little while. She did that to the CNO of the Navy one time. We were, I was standing there, and, and, she, and he goes, ma'am, I'd just like to thank you for giving me your son. She's like, I didn't give you anything. They're on loan. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why I wound up getting my ass whipped my whole career, because of that comment. That, then, then, yeah. then she said it to the press, and now we don't get nothing. <laughs> Now we're podcasters. Now I'm a pot. <laughs> was the uh, was the People magazine thing pretty cool? No, no, I mean, I know done that. Nothing. It's all nothing. good. Nothing. I uh, say good. Yeah. I thought that was pretty legit, though. Well, now you got to talk about it. No, I don't. No, I said I, don't. Oh, I only look at those <laughs> things. I was like, no, and you no, guys get it. You've got the podcast. It's a great platform to preach the bigger message. If someone will give you a microphone, then you're like, yeah, let's let's talk about what really matters. 
Let's just plug it uh, into the matrix. But it, it what we spreads, call it. and you look at it, it spreads the word so we can raise donations. I mean, that's when we have something fun that pops up like that. It's like, oh man, this is this is cool because we're going to get to spread the word for folds and uh, and change some more lives. Man, the biggest thing is how much I was still having a good time doing it. A, a lot, some of the the madness that we have to go through in our career, and I don't really even look at it like madness when we're in, because we're in, when we're in the military and we're doing our thing. I mean, it's, that's kind of a competition between us who can get in the worst situations and do the coolest things. That's how you get your nicknames and everything. Which, by the way, yours is what? What's your call sign? Uh, Noonan. All right, tell so, that story. And I don't know how to <laughs> tell me how you get your call sign. No, 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 no. We know what that means. Yeah. But we have no say in it. No, no, I absolutely not. How you guys get it, but I mean, it's like you, uh-uh. you, you show, you get through this training program, and your first year and a half, you get a name tag that says F and G on it. Yeah. I mean, you're the lowest form of life, and you finally get your call sign, and um, yeah, from Caddyshack, the main character in Caddyshack, Danny Noonan. Noonan. Yeah, for sure. That's I don't you know, man. That doesn't sound okay. So here's that with yours. Yeah, like yeah, a yeah. All right. Thing. So here's what I always heard. All right. I always heard you get your call sign in the military. If you walk up to somebody and they got a good one, like Viper or Iceman or something like that, no one likes that dude. As a all. tool. The cooler yeah. your call sign, the bigger loser, loser you guarantee are. you yeah. are. If your name is Shithouse running or something like that, dude, <laughs> that is the guy you want. That's, yep. that's right, right? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I, that's what I was told by y'all. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, yeah, we had a guy. We had a guy that was working with us. His call sign was Shylock, and I was like, "Man, that's double tough." I was like, "What's that stand for?" He's like, "Shit in lieu of combat." <laughs> he, he, he took off on a sortie and had to go to the bathroom. So bad he came back to the carrier, landed, took a dump. They, they're like, yeah. no, no. "The best, right?" Those you know, you're oh, loved. Man. It's like when your bros <laughs> drunk dial you at two o'clock in the morning. No higher compliment can you ever be paid in the military. Absolutely. Why don't you tell? Why don't you tell our listeners about Fly into the Wind? Um, you bet. So new book just came out two weeks ago. Um, and you know, I, I went, you know, we, we talk about resilience and really that's what this book is about. It's about engineering a code of resilience in your life. Cause I think that's, what's going to ultimately lead you to fulfillment, not necessarily happiness. I'm not a big believer in happiness because you wake up lots of days and you're not happy. Um, and I don't think that's what God wants us to be is, is happy. I think you're supposed to use your talents to make a difference, to be fulfilled. Um, and I was able to, you know, engineer a, a code of living that I outlined in the book um, about finding daily fulfillment. And it's basically 10 things, lines of effort that, that I do each and every day. But the title of the book is, is a big piece of it, Fly Into the Wind. Right. And as fighter pilots, we always take off into the wind because we need resistance to ascend. And I don't think our lives are any different. And so often when people face challenge and resistance in their life, they, you know, you get into this self-pity mode and it's like, hey, why me? And and I wrote this book, um, you know, in a pretty dark period that I went through for six or seven years um, of my life and, uh, you know, struggled at home, was going bankrupt on a golf course that I built, you know, folds was teetering on whether it was going to make it or not. And it just, you know, the devil was coming after you at every turn. And these weren't problems that I could solve on Friday. So I'm like, what, what can I engineer and create a little bubble around myself based on, you know, lessons that I had learned growing up, incorporating things that, Every day I could execute to know that, and at least I'm being the best version of myself, regardless of the chaos going on 
around me. And um, I think, you know, Navy SEALs, and I'll throw you guys in this, but fighter pilots, if we have one skill, it's probably being able to take in copious amounts of information at very high speed and prioritizing what matters. And in the world that we all live in right now, Marcus, you were talking about this earlier is, man, we're all drinking through a fire hose. It's coming at us faster than we know what to do. And at its core, this book is for people to look at and be able to prioritize, hey, what really matters in my life? Where am I assessing that? And where do I, where do I want to get to? And, uh, you know, my hope and prayer is inside the book, the lessons that, you know, I've learned in my life, a lot of them the hard way, um, that it can help people evolve and understand that, you know, having a resilient heart is going to define you um, in your life. And um, when you're challenged and when you're struggling, it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not fun, but I think it's God's greatest gift to us to evolve and, uh, you know, I just pray that uh, it makes it to a lot of people. I had no idea this was going to be COVID in 2020 and everybody's getting the beat down that won't stop um, this year. And just, uh, you know, hopeful that it's going to reach the people that, that need it and uh, that it'll, they'll take a couple things away that might have a, a lasting impact on their life. Amen, brother. Where can people get the book? Anywhere you can buy a book. So Walmart, Target. Amazon. So unfortunately, um, you're going to have to uh, say that what that is too. (laughs) (laughs) Sam's Club, uh, all that. Let me tell you, I'll tell you, you guys will appreciate this. Um, I'll talk about a couple lines of effort in the, uh, in the book. I talked about one synchronicity already. Um, One of the other lines of effort in the book is called parasitic drag. And this is probably, you know, my biggest paradox of life, me against me every day, but Parasitic dragon in 1947, Chuck Yeager broke through the sound barrier and uh, so flew faster than the speed of sound and they could not break through. And they finally realized that the the edge of the wing and the X1 that they were flying wasn't uh, in the proper shape. And they removed basically parasitic dragon. They broke through the, the speed of sound. And I look at our lives in a very similar way. And it's a book you got to be very honest with yourself, right? Um, when no one's around and you know in your heart of heart. But what is the stuff in your life that is holding you back from getting to that place that, that you know you could and you should be in your heart? And it's, you know, different for everybody, um, whether it's, you know, you know, alcohol or it's social media or you got these toxic relationships in your life. Um, I talk a lot about forgiveness in this chapter, um, some stuff that I really struggled with in my life that you just, you have to let go of it. And, um, and the other part of that science and parasitic drag is you got to replace it with something too. I can't say, okay, I'm not going to drink my four beers tonight and I'm just going to quit. I've got to figure out something else to do. I'm going to take Bravo on a walk during this period where I usually go to the refrigerator and drink beer. And, you know, we're all, everybody on this call today, we are routine, habitual animals, right? I mean, that is, that is who we are. We thrive on that and reprogramming those healthy routines um, in our lives. And that whole concept of of parasitic drag, I think it's one of my favorites in there. And, uh, and then my other one, that's the last line of effort is go before you're ready. And I'll, I learned this one as an F-16 pilot. We only got four rides with an instructor 
and the fifth ride is solo in a $45 million supersonic jet. And I remember sitting in this jet and I literally knew what half the buttons and switches did. And they're like, Hey, don't worry. You're not ready to kill anybody. We're just trying to teach you to fly it. And, uh, it's in Phoenix and I go fly and it's in the summer. I remember landing safely. I come back and I put the canopy up and it's like 110 outside. And it feels like a cold breeze is hitting me. And you realize, you know, just how hyper-focused and the pressure you were feeling on that moment. But that concept of go before you're ready, I mean, hit me like an epiphany in my life. And I looked, you know, at all the times we hold ourselves back from doing something, uh, waiting for that perfect time, uh, or the world says, hey, you can't do this, becoming a prisoner of common assumption. And those are, you know, probably two of my favorite topics in uh, in the book. If you can get rid of the stuff that's holding you back, and then you just have the courage and the reckless faith to go in, uh, in life, it's a, it's a powerful combination. And I needed that advice like six years ago when I got out of the military. I know. I was just thinking, I was like, man, I feel like I'm in, in class. Like, I don't want to say anything because mm-hmm. you know, I feel like I'm in class. So it's like taking notes. It's like, oh, <laughs> oh come on. You guys are <laughs> Dude, the most I, successful I three people I know. I totally what does that tell you? What does that tell you? And we we hang out, dude. I was like a bit with you plenty of times. I was like, man, you've been sitting on this for a while. What? Hmm. Yeah. Just hey, keep, I've keeping uh, I sent you a book, Marcus. Did you get it? I did. Thank you very much. All right. Yeah, I, I didn't get my copy, but that's cool. Probably got lost. I will. I will. Uh, when we your <laughs> way. That's why I didn't say anything in the beginning because if he, if he, I did, he gets upset. Way to go, you upset Mojo. (laughs) Dan, if you could leave the listeners with one piece of never quit advice, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of that in your book, and I'm sure people are going to get that, but if you could leave people that are listening to the show today with one piece of advice, what would that be? Hmm. I just, uh, man, for me, it it goes back to what I talked about before is um, if you want more blessings in our lives, and I think every bit of humanity would say, yeah, man, I want to be more blessed. that you you got to bring God or whatever it is, whatever you believe in, um, with you every day. And I, I talk about that in the in the book as well. It was a it was a ma- major transformation for me, and probably the most courageous thing I've ever done as an adult is um, I started living a faith forward life and bringing my faith into every interaction I have. And that's, you know, if you ask me how I'm doing, I'm going to tell you, hey, I'm blessed. And I'll look you in the eye. And I mean, that stops the barista at Starbucks in their tracks. And just those little moments or my voicemail is, you know, I'm out living the day the Lord has made. But every interaction I have, I will bring my faith to it. And it has been transformational in um, in my life. And it went from, you know, one of the darkest periods of of struggle that felt like everything was coming apart. And that was probably the biggest thing that I did. Um, And it was just like a light switch for me. I was like, you know, God, I I need you. And it was like, if you need me, you need to take me with you into battle everywhere you go. And I started doing that. And uh, it is, um, it's been just a tremendous blessing for me, and I've, I've watched this very simple linear equation in life that's like, hey, man, I'm, I, I want to be fulfilled. I want to be blessed. I want to be happy. You, you got to have God in, in your life if you want that. Well said. Yeah, again, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> He's speechless. I don't want to interrupt. 
<laughs> Dan, where can people follow you? I, I want to just kind of give the floor to you to just plug anything you've got going on, the book, <laughs> all of the things. Um, I think the, uh, yeah, the, we talked about the book, Flying to the Wind. You can get that out on Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble, Walmart, Target, um, anywhere you want and, uh, kicking uh, part of that back to benefit folds. Um, that's my other thing. You know, we sent, um, about 5,000 people to school, um, this year, military families, about 25 million out the door, but we had our longest waiting list in history, uh, about 3000 qualified applicants. And, uh, if nothing else on, on this, that's the most important check out folds of honor.org. And you, you know, you guys get it. McBee's help us out a ton with folds and we're really grateful for that but we're doing it the right way we got 90 cents of every dollar going out the door to fund scholarship programs a perfect rating on charity navigator a small team here in owasso so um, i would say if you want to thank somebody in the military for their service take care of their family and uh, so that's awesome and then um, i think i've got like um 11 followers at uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dan Rooney. So you can find me out there preaching God and country uh, on my social media. Well, all of us will get like 14, 15, I guess. McBee, <laughs> <laughs> you guys have millions. Uh, but uh, anyway, it's, uh, it, it's a blessing. You guys are heroic, and I really feel humbled to be in your company and I listen to the podcast and and love it. It's just really cool to be on. So thank you for that. You bet. Definitely. Yeah. Need to have Christmas. you as a guest yeah, have- uh, guest host. You can virtually you can come in on virtual and just yeah. drop the knowledge you got. Because <laughs> me and Marcus tend to stumble over things sometimes. We have some yeah yeah. yeah. So next time I was like, well, that's that happens to be outside of my pay grade, but I have somebody on <laughs> I got, speed dial I got right this here. Guy right here. <laughs> Noonan. Noonan. Get Noonan in here. <laughs> We needed to you know that the, question this morning. You know morning. the favorite thing Navy SEALs say? Two words. Cleared hot. Oh, yeah. We need you on the question <laughs> we had this morning. That, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I did, a, I did um, a ton of work with you guys in, uh, in 2008. I ran a two-ship of alert at a blod. And uh, every, every, every evening, I'd pick up the phone. I only knew him as Fred. And uh, he was, I don't know which team it was. They wouldn't tell us any of that stuff, but man. I know, because was, I was there in 2008 in Balad. No way. That total synchronicity. There it is right there. Yeah. Crazy uh, affirmation yeah. of the path. Ta-da. Wow. There it is. Yeah. yeah. What, the, what, what, what months were you there? Uh, I was there for six months, spring to fall, whatever. Okay. Uh, yeah. And uh, in the in the heat of the summer, and then the monsoons hit in the fall. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. The whole base flooded. Um, I didn't know that was possible um, in uh, in Iraq. But man, I'll, I'll tell you, watching you guys do what you do up there in my little cockpit at thirty thousand feet with my you know temperature controls going and uh, coming out of helicopters and the ground assaults and picking up high value targets and all that. I just, I mean, massive respect for, uh, for what you guys do. Yeah. That was, that was a good deployment. Thanks for coming on. We're honored. Actually, I just over the top honored to meet you and talk to you over. I hate this virtual. We should have you in the uh, studio, but I'm sure I round two at some point, right? Yeah, we need to get out here. Yeah, round two, and uh, I'll uh, Marcus, I'll text you, and we get uh, um, 
another address. Send a book. <laughs> it's good. Uh, good Christmas reading for you. Slow down a little bit over Christmas. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Go play some I golf. I think you'll uh, you'll enjoy it. Nice. McBee, I'll fire you off a copy. I know where you live. Yeah. Two hole in ones. That is insane. Well, I'll the, end the well the first yeah, podcast like, by saying, <laughs> "I'm telling you, man, they're 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 luck." But also, it's like people are like, "How do you have two? It's like, well, COVID's going on. The golf courses are open. And of so, course, they're luck. Yeah, it's like, dude, it's it's like the first one was a scold shot. It was it was just as bad as it bounced three times, shot over. I'm like, well, that's gonna be in the back bunker or farther. So I started looking for golf balls even before I went up there, and I'm like, damn, where's this damn ball? What in the back bunker? Wasn't anywhere. And then I'm like, you know that little voice in your head that's not your own that says maybe you should check the hole. And I'm like, all right, fuck. So you go check the hole, and like there it was. I'm like, you gotta be shitting me. And the second one, I was just with the group and it was just a bounce it's like boom and it went in and it was it was just crazy you know but uh but also i'm a golfing every day that's five chances actually you have five chances it's five par threes a day that's 35 chances a week and you go in every week so after a while if you actually start to hit the green one might accidentally go in why do you dude why you crunch the number golf and that's what that's math dude i don't know what are you even doing what is happening <laughs> what are you doing back yeah. there dan how many do you have how many holes on? do you have dan <laughs> two there it is. You Same told. as McBee. I've been. I'm a pro at playing my whole life, so I'm screw that math. Yeah. Johnny, Utah, yeah, give me two. That, that, that math doesn't equate when there's that much distance and chance, and then it's not. It's not. It, it was. People that. were just like, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. And uh, I always photograph the ones that almost go in. So it's, uh, yeah, it's. I almost had one out in, uh, uh, in an old hickory. Out in Tennessee when I was visiting Rob O'Neill. It's like we went out there golfing. I was him as Kid Rock and uh, Steve Smith. And, and the very first hole, uh, was the, sec- the second hole was a par three, is 110. So I took a 60 wedge, popped it up in the back, and it rolled in. And it just is literally is like an inch from the cup, you know, on the very second hole. But, you know, some, just the way it goes, you know. But, but I've missed the greens a lot, just letting you guys know. I've missed them a lot. Uh, over my time, man. So, <laughs> how my missed greens are far outweigh the ones I actually hit. You're so. a force of nature, McBee. <laughs> There's yeah, no doubt force about it. Of nature. <laughs> hey, Dan. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, I Dan. Right. Good to yeah, see bro, you. Later, hey, bro. All right. Thanks for listening to the show. Let us know what you think. Where could people follow you? You can follow us at social media, teamneverquit.com/slash social. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Castbox, wherever you get your podcasts. We've got new podcast gear, Never Quit flags, hoodies, all in stock. Make sure you guys join us on Patreon patreon.com slash team never quit make sure to leave us a review on itunes we'll see you guys next week